folks, and welcome to the Belonging Brand Podcast. This month, we are super grateful to have had the chance to sit down with Emily Pacey of The Banquet. The Banquet is unchurching the religious establishment and working toward a new love-directed learning community in Brantford and Brant County. Though they work in a Christian lens, The Banquet welcomes all with open arms, including your hosts of this episode, Jocelyn, and me, Mykina. We invite you to share in this organic, thoughtful, and love-filled conversation. Let's begin. My name is Emily Pacey. I am, I guess you'd say, a co-facilitator. We've removed the title of pastor or off the leadership and stuff um, for what is called the Banquet to the Unchurch um, here in Brantford. It's formerly known as Brantford Cornerstone Church. Beautiful. So you talked a little bit about it, but what really is the Banquet or the Unchurch and how was it created? Okay, so the banquet, during COVID, because everybody was shut down, we decided that we were going to start doing, like, book studies with the leadership of our church, which was Brantford Cornerstone Church. And with my husband and I had just kind of gotten to the point of, we had always called ourselves a safe church or a place where anybody is welcome to come as they are and experience God. But during COVID, it kind of became more, I think, more prevalent within us that there, something more needed to be done because it's one thing to say that you're safe and yet still not be clearly defined as what that means mm-hmm. and so we did a book study with our leadership in which basically the outcome we knew was going to be one of two things one we were going to leave our church and start something different or two the church would come with us and do something different um In the course of that, our church had a massive split. And it was very devastating because people that we'd been with for almost, well, my husband grew up with a lot of them because it's the church he grew up in. I had been around them for over 20 years now. Um, There was was a breaking and it was really, it was devastating, it was hard, but it needed to happen. And part of the reason that this came about was our, one of our oldest children who came into our lives when she was 14, so she is an extension of our family. Um, when she came into our lives, she was gay, she was out, she was proud. It didn't matter to us. Mm-hmm. Like, we loved her for who she was, and she needed a place to stay. She ended up becoming a part of our family. And I remember that was the first time that was really as a Christian who never really asked questions about these things because I'd never been confronted with it other than just love people. Here is a person who I really love, and I'd been taught my whole life by the church that that's a sin. What do I do? And so in the process of this, I started kind of what we call deconstructing my faith around things, just to analyze it better, like what is what is real and what was what I was taught. Mm-hmm. And during this time, I just kept feeling that, that I don't know, that pull inside your heart of just love her. Just love her for who she is. She's got other things going on in her life. Just love her. This child needs you to love her. And so that's what we did. And we talked. Anybody in the church, if they had issues with it, that's what we would say to them. Just love her. Don't judge. Don't put any of your hang-ups on anything. We need to love this child. And over the course of... She's, she's now 26. Over the course of all these years, the one thing that we noticed is this girl who became a Christian and began to follow the same teachings that we were teaching 
and having this relationship with her maker, not once did the maker ever ask her to give something up, to give up that side of her. Drugs and alcohol was a challenge that she felt the maker was talking to her on. Um, anger issues, like all these other things she was feeling that the maker was helping her to go along with, but never once her being gay. And that really made my husband and I question how we were approaching things as we were doing our deconstructing on that. And because of this, we began to teach our congregation this, of love is not about exclusion in any way, shape, or form. And if we truly want to follow the principles of Jesus Christ as we proclaim, where did he ever excommunicate? When did he ever turn his back on? And the only instance that you can ever really say that he stood up and kind of was the shit server <laughs> was when he flipped the tables in the temple because of what the religious people were doing. Right. But anybody else, he welcomed with open arms in spite of the religious people. And he loved them for who they are in the situation that they were in and really never sought to change them but to just be their friends. And in that relationship, whatever needed to change was their decision of what they needed to change and so as you that's what we at least that's how we began to understand it and so that's what we began to teach and because of this bible study we did with her our leaders um it became very apparent that we we needed to start our own thing mm-hmm. and so we actually resigned and the night that we resigned um more than half of our leadership uh, resigned with us, which we were not expecting. We didn't even tell them we were going to resign. They resigned with us to come with us. And then the, the rest of the congregation, like leadership that was there, were like, we don't want the church. And at the next morning, they literally just left the church. So now everybody who resigned all of a sudden had the church again. Because <laughs> what do you do? So then we were forced with a decision of what do we do now with a church what do we do? Mm-hmm. Like we didn't, we did not mean to do that. We were trying to leave amicably and go do something different. And um, so we presented it to the congregation. We said, "You have the right. You have to decide whether you want to continue as cornerstone, and that means that you, we will stay with you till you find new leadership. But we're giving you three months to do so, mm-hmm. and stuff because we can't be here permanently. <laughs> um, or you can decide to shut down cornerstone permanently." And then all assets or whatever we have will be donated to charities. Or you can choose to vote us is to become the banquet and come along with us. I said, it's going to be different. It's not going to be like any church you know. We want to undo what church has done. And they voted to come with us. That's what we did. It's the end church. The idea is to try to undo the harm of what many churches have taught. And I do have a question for you on that, if you don't mind me asking. No, go for it. And thank you so much for sharing what you have shared so far. That's a great history. I have done a little research, and now I know a lot more. Okay, good. The reasoning, and I think it's it's beautiful. Everything is just love. Yes. It's great. But my next question for you then would be, how do you unchurch something that has such a vast and complicated history? How do you approach that? (laughs) talking (laughs) great so one of the things that we did is we no longer have 
uh, well, we sold the building, number one. Okay. And stuff. We got rid of the whole kind of scene. Mm -hmm. uh, we are now currently meeting in a living room, but we are seeking to find a location that's a little bit more uh, friendly for people to be able to get to mm -hmm. and stuff. We're still looking. Um, but the idea was to change how we do things. So whether it's going to be in a laundromat or a store or it doesn't matter or a pub, I don't care where we end up meeting. Um, what it will be, it, we call them guided conversations. So we present an idea. We explain our idea. We give some of our thoughts. And then we open the floor up for everyone to present their ideas and their understanding or their thoughts on it as well. Because each individual takes in things differently. So we all process things differently. So I want to hear how you process it. And your input is valuable and important to the conversation. Because your opinion might change how I see it. Or how I thought I was presenting it. And so the idea is that in these guided conversations, it helps us to kind of talk things out. But the conversation doesn't just end there. So we may think, oh, we've solved, oh, whatever. <laughs> but then next week, somebody new comes in and they add to that conversation. And they take us into a whole different light of understanding. And we also teach, um, we teach people how to actually study the Bible. I know that sounds really weird. But I have, this is not to slag on other organizations but I do find that many of them have this mindset of this is how you have to study and so it's within their understanding and parameters so you, you they basically guide your study and how to do it with the answers usually mm -hmm. we teach people how to find answers which is vastly different and stuff so how to go to books, how to use resources, how to find the history, and to make sure that you're not just looking at it from your own perspective, but you need to look throughout history. You need to look throughout culture, so the cultural history too, because history is history, but then how did the culture understand that? And stuff, language is hugely important. What does that actually mean? And one of the things that always fascinated me the most is that many, many years ago, um, there was... there. Were, I'm so bad with things, sorry. They had actually discovered a garbage pile. <laughs> um, and in the process of studying, like going through all this garbage, they realized that the actual tr original text of the Bible was actually written in the common language of man, of the day. Not the high tongue, not like this, like for the wealthy or the rich, but it was the street slang of the day. And they only discovered that because they were rummaging through garbage. And I always thought that to be really fascinating because too often people think that the Bible is the high tongue because of the King James and all of that. And it's not. It's for the common person mm -hmm. and stuff. And when you put that into context of it's for the commoners and it's for you to understand simply and the whole simple message is to love one another. Mm -hmm. It makes it so much less complicated mm -hmm. and stuff. So that's kind of where we try to teach people. is like you have to look at the language. You have to look who it was written to and why it was written to them. Um, how they may have taken it in. And then, how do you take it in? How do we see that? How does what we know of history change how we understand it now? All these things are valuable and absolutely necessity for learning something. And this is kind of where why we do guided conversations, because we want to help people to understand that aspect. And also to invite other perspectives in. I don't care if you're Muslim, I don't care if you're Hindu, I don't care if you're an atheist. If you want to come and join in in the conversation, we invite you to because those perspectives are vastly important to my faith. And I'm still Christian. I'm okay with your faith. Talking to my faith, that's fine. Because 
it's hugely important that I understand perspective and not just be shot off into this tiny little bubble. So if I may ask uh, another question then. Sure. Um, so guided conversations are very important, but you also just mentioned that you bring in other faiths mm -hmm. and atheists as well, agnostic, anything like that. Yep. So how do you incorporate the religion of Christianity into these conversations? Well, we always say that we are, we are very much Christian and stuff. Um, so we do present the teachings of Jesus Christ and stuff. But I think naturally, I don't know how else, I don't, because this is my perspective. And we always say, this is how I understand it. And this is because of the faith. And this is where I'm coming from. So even when we're teaching the Christian faith and we're inviting others to join in on, and join to the conversation, it's under that understanding of respect for one another mm -hmm. and stuff. And so even though I don't believe the same as you, I don't have to say that you're wrong. I just believe differently. Mm -hmm. But that difference in faith is still needed. Like, I've had Muslims challenge me greatly on how to be a better neighbor, how to join in in a community better, because I found just the way that they were doing it, it was this one, it was a walking group in the mall, actually. Um, it was a younger man who was taking older men and taking them for walks. And they would stop. And I would see them so often just stop and chatting. And then they would get up and then they would go for their walk. And it challenged me so much on how we interact with our elders and how we even look at community. Because it wasn't a burden for the, older, the younger man to sit there and to talk with them and to get up and to go at their pace. You could see the joy on his face to do this. That challenged me, and if I hadn't opened up a conversation with him to understand it, I would have just seen a young man sitting with old men talking and getting up and walking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But because of the conversation, it changed my perspective on how I interact within my own community. And I would never have had that if, if he hadn't talked to me. Um, does that help? That's a beautiful answer. Okay. Yes, <laughs> Good. That's, that's, that's your truth. That's what your personal experience with a story to give us an example. That's, Good. That's lovely. <laughs> Um, now, you take a love-directed learning, like a love-directed approach yes. in your unchurch at the banquet. What successes have you seen because of your unique approach? I would have to say it has been, well, even within my own family, the acceptance. Okay. Um, so my, my in-laws are older. They will hate that I call them older, but they are. They're in their 70s. <laughs> they're mature. They're mature. Um, they have to see how much they have grown, and and I. It sounds like I'm like judging them. I'm not trying to. I'm just meaning in the sense of knowing what they've been taught and what they had come out of, and stuff, into where they are now. To see them willing to struggle with pronouns. Mm -hmm. because that's such a foreign concept, right? Mm -hmm. But because they have people now that they know that that is an important thing mm -hmm. and they love them. Mm -hmm. And out of love for the person that is not the nameless or the faceless person, it's that person. And because they've met someone and they know this person, they have to show this love to them. That means they have to show it to anyone that, that professes to be non-binary. And so that means I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to try it, though, because I love you. And to watch that change in them and stuff and to see that struggle and that wrestling, but for them to, to fall on the side of, I'm going to screw up and tell people, I'm going to screw up, honey, but just know, I don't mean to, I'm trying. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful thing to me to watch that. And it challenges, again, it challenges myself to be that open again. 
and stuff because yeah I, I mess it up all the time my son's partner is non-binary and I mess it up all the time on them <laughs> I'm like but I've known this person since they were in third grade <laughs> so I knew them one way and now it's like having to go to the non-binary side is that's always hard when you know them that long right but you're approaching it with love and you're trying and I think that's a really important thing and I think it's essential absolutely especially yeah. if you call yourself any type of faith I think if you want a faith that truly speaks to the heart of a person and helps them to be a whole human being mm-hmm. if you're not doing it in love what are you doing it for Right. Because that's not going to heal them. That's not going to make them feel connected to someone else. You're just going to cause this wedge to keep pushing them away from people. I want them to feel drawn in. You can disagree with me, and I can still love you. So it sounds like a lot is happening with your with this, <laughs> and that's amazing. And you are seeing successes. Um, what is happening that you'd like to see more of? I would really... Honestly, I would really love to have a building so that we could be more involved within the community. Like, a place that is um, non-churchy, I guess. Um, Just a place where we can operate to actually be about the community, to be able to extend to the needs of the people. And whether that is... I, I know this sounds weird. I don't need another feeding program. I don't need another clothing program. I don't need another whatever program that we already have, I would like to be a part of something that is meeting the need that people have forgotten or have overlooked. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we're really like investigating in right now. So like this year, um, because, well, we sold the building, so we do have have quite a bit of money right now because of that, (laughs) which is nice. Mm -hmm. But so what we decided, we all voted and we decided to do a year of generous giving. And so we have literally been picking every month an organization within Brantford or within the greater community that has a need to be able to give to. And so our church committed to giving $5,000 every month to some place that needed it. That's amazing. And stuff, just because why, if you have it, why not just not let it sit there and waste? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So literally that's what we do. This June will be the end of our generous giving and stuff. So and then, But we would like to find something else to be able to be involved in somehow whether that's partnering with other people or just to be able to be a presence that says hey we are a place that is willing to have that open discussion to have that conversation and to help each other learn to love Mm -hmm. because it's not just how we love it's how we accept love too right because that that can be challenging for people who are so rooted in certain religious point of views. They might think they're being super loving, but they're not realizing that person's actually trying to be loving to you. That they're speaking a different language, <laughs> different love language. <laughs> yes, um, I think it's really amazing that you had the asset of the physical building. You sold it. You're looking for another building, but instead of putting that towards a physical space for yourself, for your for your unchurched, that you donated it back to the community that's amazing <laughs> well we you voted on it like we, every, everyone <laughs> thought it was a great idea yeah well there was such a need like especially towards the end of covid like there was just people were lost right there was such a loss in the community of how do we reconnect again and i mean i remember during covid um you heard about the deaths in the park yes. from and stuff and that was so devastating to me uh partially because my husband thinks I'm crazy but I like to go out and hand out water on really hot days to people that I don't know that that might need it and I'll just here's some water if anybody wants it mm-hmm. <laughs> and Stephanie's like you can't just do that by yourself why <laughs> nobody's hurt me yet <laughs> but 
to be there and then to, to know that I missed that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's hard to know that somebody died because of that. It's just something mm-hmm. as simple as dehydration mm-hmm. and stuff. And then there was this, um, oh, I can't remember. It's, I think it's called Helping Hands. This lady started it where she was just putting together backpacks or different food resources for different ones who are who are um, houseless, right, mm-hmm. and stuff, and who are floating between places to help them, especially through the cold months or the really hot months. And so we were, we were like, oh, let's help with that. And it just kind of, we can do little things here and there, but then when everything kind of hit its head and people were starting to open up, people were forgetting they're going back to work and they're going back to these things and stuff and so they're forgetting about these little things and so we were like you know what what is the best way we can really be an impact well everything with um the residential schools came out and stuff and so everything that was happening with that and we're like you know we're church how do you what do you do because no maybe we, we weren't a part of those denominations we still carry the same name we're a church so whether they recognize the difference or not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we represent the church. <laughs> and how, how do we help with the reconciliation? How do we help with the healing without telling them how to heal? Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes I think in our good-naturedness, we like to tell people how to do things. Right. Instead of going to them and saying, what can I do? <laughs> do you need me to sweep for you? I'll sweep. <laughs> but just, you know, taking that step back and recognizing what it actually means to serve instead of telling them how to serve, <laughs> how I'm going to serve. <laughs> There's this um, interesting, I forget where it came from, but basically when someone is in distress or is coming to you for help, there's two questions to ask. Do you want a solution or do you want comfort? Right? Yeah. And then you go based on that. Because sometimes, you know, like everyone, not everyone, but sometimes people know what to do, but that's not what they They just need to are after. They just need to be like, you know what? That sucked. I'm sorry for you. I am here for you. Right? And with a community that has been so devastated by people proclaiming to know God, mm-hmm. by people proclaiming that this is the will of God mm-hmm. when it was really their own will, to just insert yourself into their lives is somewhat rude and so what we did when we decided to do the year of generous giving it was literally with that first that was our first format was like how do we help with this and stuff and so we contacted the different organizations and said what's the one that you need the most who needs the most and what how where would you like this money to go and how would you like it distributed because we have it here for you and we want to be able to give it so you guys can decide what's the best way to do this and then we let them tell us mm-hmm. and that went so well that that's what we started doing just contacting the different companies and different organizations because we were like well we want to help women <laughs> you know like we want to help get like what in can what is in Canada that helps women that's not just Nova Vida because you always hear about that one mm-hmm. and stuff and there's, that was hard that one was hard to find different organizations that just focus on women that wasn't Nova Vida mm-hmm. and stuff. And I can't remember who we found. We did find a couple. But it was really difficult to find those things. And then there was the bridge and helping the bridge figure out the stuff that they needed. And so we just approached them and said, how do you want it? Mm-hmm. And it became this thing that it's been kind of fun because it's getting us in contact with different ones and stuff. And at the same time, to actually hear the need instead of, 
So yes, we are dumping money on it, which I think is a little lazy. But at the same time, it's still getting us in that context so that we can actually be a part of things. So we have right. been able to go to some of the reconciliation stuff that happens on the reserve. Um, we've been able to go to some of the bridge stuff and actually be a part of things now, not just dump money. Because to me, money's good. But I think sometimes we need to be actually give of our time too mm-hmm. and of who we are, so if you can. You've been doing so much giving, it sounds like. I mean, a year of generous giving, that's, that's <laughs> fantastic. And, and not just like... I mean, any contribution is, is worthwhile, but you're giving a substantial amount to several different organizations. Um, our next question for you would be, what would you like, want, or need from the community to make your, to make your endeavor successful? I would love more people to come and join the conversation, to be honest with you. I, that's not just white people. <laughs> that's you want, you want diversity. You want representation. I would yeah. love that because I... Like, as much as we can study the diversity and hear things from online, there's still that, I think the internet creates that otherness. Mm-hmm. I need that otherness to go away, and I need to see people. And not that I think, I'm not to put on whoever comes to be that voice for us, but at the same time, I'm fighting through several generations of mindsets. And I do need them to see that it's not the other. Mm-hmm. I do need them to see the person or the, to fall in love with, to break that crap off. And I would love if there is somebody who's brave enough and strong enough to take some of the really horrible things that some of our people say on accident, because it is on accident, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who would be brave enough to just help break that off. And it's not just through the internet. Mm-hmm. The internet is good. The internet is challenging, and I love that we have that resource. But do you know what I mean? Like, just to be able to have that person that makes the different ones just fall in love. I think that's important. Definitely. So what is the best thing that could happen if you want, if what you wanted from community came true? So my dream, this is me, not necessarily everybody else at the church, in the end church. <laughs> um, I want a laundromat. I would love to open a laundromat and hold the meetings out of the laundromat, but where we could actually donate the laundromat once or twice a week for homeless, for them to be able to come in and wash their clothes and set up a shower area for them to be able to shower and clean themselves, maybe have other organizations help with food for the day. But that, to me, is that's my dream, to do something that nobody is doing at all. Providing people with the dignity of cleanliness. Do you know how hard it is for people to get showers to find places? I have watched, I've been literally, it was outside of Coffee Town. My husband and I watched an, um, it was definitely a homeless man and another man having a conversation. And the other man offered to take him home and let him take a shower. And that homeless, the look of gratitude and sense of, really? Like you would, you would let me have that? The dignity that was coming on that man's face of just being able to clean himself and the excitement like he had just gotten the best Christmas present ever. And I'm like, we need this. There is nowhere. And if there is, it's very little and very controlled and very almost jail-like and stuff. And I get you have to be careful. I get that there's all these other concerns and things like that. Let somebody get clean, for God's sake. Let them have, let them do their laundry. Mm-hmm. 
right. and stuff instead of having to try to wash it in the river all the time and then when it finally smells too bad they have to throw it away because they cannot actually get it clean that's not that's not dignity you're overlooking that human being that is a human being and i think sometimes we forget the simplicity of just being able to have clean clothes in a shower because i have a home and my husband won't let me bring people home no more because he says that it's not safe i do that too much so you need <laughs> I find it really interesting that you've chosen the laundromat as the site for the Young Church. I, like, it's a community center. If you think yeah. about a laundromat, it is literally, you go anywhere, and if you ever have had to go to a laundromat, yeah. what do you see? You see young moms and their children, and then you see old people, middle-aged, it doesn't matter for whatever reason, they're there for that night to do the laundry. And if you're really lucky, somebody's chatty. And if you get chatty with that person, everyone else joins in. And I tend to be a chatty person, so I get into a lot of conversations if I'm at a laundromat. I love it. It, It's just this overwhelming sense of community that you can have. How awesome would it be to have a laundromat where you have an area where people can sit, actually sit down with tables and chairs, and people who want to talk? have a conversation Ooh, let's have a movie night at the laundromat or you do karaoke tonight karaoke laundry like <laughs> just you could literally make it this community center that invites people to have whatever conversations they want and then we have the guided conversation nights do you know what i mean like it can just i would oh that's my dream i would love that that's a beautiful dream that's mine it, it's, it's a really beautiful dream i appreciate that thank you for sharing <laughs> you're welcome um just a couple more questions here for you um and i have a question for you that's not on our list but i'll say that for last um how can people find out more about the banquet so right now we are currently on facebook through it is called the banquet formerly known as Bradford cornerstone church because we are still in the process of changing the name legally um so we have to go by formerly known as but it's it's a facebook group it's open public um, we post all of our, every Sunday, we post new videos of our conversations. You can join in live or you can um, watch them later on. Whether you comment later on or you comment live, we do try to respond to you. If you have questions or you have interjections in the conversation, we really love stuff like that. If you're watching us live and you interject, we'll read it live <laughs> and yeah. stuff because that way, even though you're not there, but if you want to just sit there and be quiet, we love knowing that somebody's there. Like... That's pretty much what we're doing right now. Okay. Um, Why did you choose the banquet as your name? Okay, so when you think of a banquet, you think of a giant feast, right? Like this ball, this beautiful thing that you all come to. It's usually a community thing, Mm -hmm. but you tend to think of it as like the elite, right? Like you want to be fancy dressed than anybody. But for us, the banquet is come as you are. Mm -hmm. Join in our feast. We've saved you a seat. Come to the table. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to dance. We're going to play music. We're going to sing, do poetry, write pictures, like paint pictures. Well, it doesn't matter. Like join in the whole thing. And the conversation itself is the, it's the banquet. You can't of see one another. I'm wearing a mask, but I have the biggest smile right now. <laughs> I think that's lovely. And uh, on the note of it being lovely, you, you speak about love a lot. Speak about love a lot. Um, I recently read a book by Bell Hooks. Um, and it's called All About Love. And in that, she tries to define love and say how we can all work towards being loving and accepting love and all these great things about love. Could you please give us a definition of love? What does love mean to you? Oh, that's a big question, actually. <laughs> um, 
love doesn't put boundaries on anything it's fully accepting of that person in how they come to you and it's also fully accepting of who you are it's that thing that sees the good the bad the ugly everything and still is there it's your anchor right it's that thing that you know how you have that force that pushes people away it's that thing that pulls you in and heals you as you're doing it and stuff and then it also pushes you back out and so it's that it's that i don't know how to describe it if it doesn't heal you i don't think it's love because love doesn't yes it hurts but it does not keep you in that state because sometimes when you love someone you have to speak the truth and that truth can cut like a sword man it can cut you deep but love doesn't leave you in that state love also is there to help you heal like a surgeon so yeah we had to cut you to remove whatever that was that was harming you but now we're also here to walk that out the healing process and all the things that happen in that healing process because that's what love is and however you find that love that's a good thing I think for me my faith is what spurs me on to try to be that type of a person I don't do it well <laughs> I know I don't do it well I struggle as every I think anybody but I try I do try I try to recognize where I'm failing to love myself because when we stop loving ourselves how are you how do you expect yourself to fully understand how to love someone else so I go to therapy I talk to a therapist I make sure that I'm doing and working on the things within my life help me know how to love myself and to heal so that I can help to love others and hopefully help them learn to love themselves and to heal and then do the same for others because it's that pushing it forward while pulling them in um, I always like to say so have you ever heard of the Fibonacci sequence okay it's found in everything so it's kind of like the golden ratio of the Fibonacci and it kind of looks like a seashell so it's this spiraling out circle. And it is found in everything. The tiniest of molecules to the shape of our faces is the Fibonacci sequence. You find it in all human life. And I love it because I've always said there's so much chaos and craziness within this world. And yet the maker put within us this little pattern that brings order to it all. And so even though there's all this chaos, there is this order, there is this pattern that binds us all together. And I love the Fibonacci sequence for that. So whether it's the spiraling out you see or it's the spiraling inward, we're all connected. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> I, I really awesome. enjoyed this and it was really great to meet you. Oh, yeah, thank you. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add? No, I was just inspired the whole time listening, to be honest. I was really glad when you just took it away. <laughs> I was, like, fully enthralled. <laughs> well, that's what we're hoping to do. We're hoping that others want to join in. And again, like, right now it's been pretty much just conversations, but I would love to see it become this thing where somebody offers a song. If they just have something in their heart and they just want to sing, use your gifts, use your talents to inspire others. 
-hmm. that's a beautiful thing like if you can paint and you get inspired paint a picture in the middle of it I don't care like share who you are and if all you can do is sit and listen then come sit and listen Mm -hmm. because your very presence you being who you are in this moment in this space is actually necessary not just for you though for for us it's necessary for that community to bring us together again we've lost the ability to really know what it's like to be in a community and if we don't fight for it if we don't try that's going to be gone like look at i look at our generation like my children's generation and my grandchildren's generation there's that separation because of technology technology is a good thing i love technology but I can see the divide if we do not teach them how to be within pe- around people, how to communicate, all of that. They're going to just hide behind the technology mm-hmm. and stuff. And again, technology is awesome. I have dyslexia. Technology is hugely important in my world because it helps me to learn. It helps me to read and write. I need it. But I don't want it to be the thing that blocks me from other people. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, that's great. We would like to extend our gratitude to Emily, the banquet, and you, our listener, for sharing in this time and space with us. As you continue with your day, we'd like to ask you to consider what love means to you, how you love, and how you can teach love to others. We will be doing the same. If you'd like, you can connect with us on our Belonging Brant socials to tell us all about it. Thank you all again, and a special thanks to the Ontario Trillium Foundation who funds this project. Until next time.